You're listening to the Simple Growth Podcast, the show that helps business owners get their life back. Here's your host, Mike Callahan. Hey, welcome back to another SA Weekly Talk Show. Uh, I am here as always doing it. We're, we're switching it up this week and I'm doing the intro for Mike, Mike Callahan from Simple Growth, uh, SA Certified Advisor. Mike, thank you so much for uh, doing a presentation for us, bringing us a little blast from the past. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be talking about uh, Dominate Your Market, the blueprint uh, for action. And uh, I'm going to pop the screen here so you can actually see the slide deck. But um, uh, basically an updated version of my SA5 talk and give you a little background of the talk and what um, kind of precipitated this was uh, Jonathan Potoshnik, the co-founder of Service Autopilot and of the uh, Lawn Care Millionaire, uh, created a uh, a a conversation about going out and dominating your market. This was basically step two. So this was the, uh, Jonathan talked about the overall theory of going in and dominating your market. And then what I did is, uh, what you're gonna see here is how to actually take Jonathan Potoshnik's theory of dominating your market and actually how to use that theory and actually utilize it by utilizing Service Autopilot as your tool to go out and dominate your market, as well as some other things uh, as well. So we're gonna be talking about uh, how to sell gateway services over the phone, offline marketing, um, and going to give you some examples how in my company, Callahan's Lawn Care, we went out with nine different pieces and actually had a little over 300,000 direct mail pieces, Cody. And that's right, 300,000, literally in about a month and a half. Um, so I'm going to show you the game plan of how we broke that down. And then um, the different tri tip trips and tricks right now of digital marketing. So what was applicable at SA5 and some of the new things that we really should be looking at in our marketing plan to go out and dominate our market for this fall and uh, even going into next season of 2021. So some of this stuff just doesn't happen overnight. We want to go in and start building a foundation of a marketing plan, a budget, and a plan of attack. So um, had a great essay weekly last week with uh, Martha Woodward of QDS. Uh, I'm still looking for an extra pair of shades and trunks to meet them down at uh, QDS 2021. Um, but as we pop into this, Cody, do you have any comments, questions before uh, we flip the screen and kind of get into it? No, nah, let's put rubber to the road. All right, perfect. So, like I said, we're talking about uh, the continuation of Jonathan Potoshnik's talk. And what Jonathan's talk uh, really talked about is really focusing in on making some actions happen in your business to actually really grow and, and dominate and outscale your competitors. But one of the things that I at least learned in my business is that if we're going to go out and have rapid and ex, uh, excessive growth, just like we did at Callahan's and even at Simple Growth, where we scaled a little over 467% in Q1 of last year um, and uh, very similar growth again in, in 2020, uh, there were certain things that I'm going to want to dive into before we actually go into the blueprint. And the first thing we're going to talk about is the bottlenecks of growth and how to overcome them. And especially right now with COVID, we've got some issues going on uh, with labor to say the least. So we're gonna go in and show you how to tackle the labor and creating that virtual bench. And the second part of uh, the things foundationally, you really want to set up your business before you grow that business is your office and the workflow, um, particularly in-service autopilot, but really the whole workflow. So the biggest, uh, well, I guess one of the biggest pivotal points in my learning was when I actually had the uh, ability to go out to Service Autopilot's original office, um, and it was like in a strip mall, basically, but um, development was on one side of the, the parking lot, and uh, support and training was on the other side of the parking lot. Uh, but it was interesting because it was myself, uh, Jonathan Potoshnik, obviously, and uh, Garrett Matthews and Chad Cranston, uh, amongst two other individuals. But that's when I met Garrett and Chad. And that was pretty instrumental in the way I looked at business and how I wanted to go out and outlearn my competition. But uh, really unique situation in the early days of SA, you could pay uh, a, a decent chunk of money, but actually have a two-day or two-and-a-half-day sit-down roundtable with Jonathan. And the one thing that I went there and wanted to learn was as we were about to scale to a million and beyond, how do I set up my internal office to handle the influx of phone calls and estimates that are going to happen? Because I knew if we went out and dropped $35,000 or $40,000 in estimating uh, or in, in marketing and had an influx of estimates, the wheels would have fell off the business immediately. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing Jonathan talked about in his talk, which was interesting, is test the waters, don't go all in. Um, I made the mistake of literally 
dropping thirty to forty thousand dollars over about a month and a half period in New York, and um, the phones exponentially exploded. Thankfully, I had learned from Jonathan and the SA team at that roundtable how you need your software set up. And if you've been watching any of my videos, that foundational workflow um, of the flowchart of lead acquisition through estimating to scheduling, billing, and fulfillment really is that uh, takeaway. What I took away from those two and a half days. So. Um, as we're diving there, I just want to throw a little caution to the wind. You want to test this in little chunks before you go out and drop thirty dollars to $40,000 in an advertising budget or whatever that may be, a substantial gain on what you're, ever, you're doing now. And if you're not doing any and you're just maybe going in for a couple grand, you're still going to see a, quite an influx from what you're used to. So just be aware that that's the case. So foundationally, you want to make sure that office is set up correctly. And we want to look at the three major bottlenecks uh, of growth. And we're going to focus on uh, labor today. Um, we need to address labor first and double down. So the three bottlenecks of growth are really growing fast without the right people, growing fast without knowing your numbers, and growing fast without enough cash flow. So either one of these three things will literally destroy you in, your, in the process. So the first thing is, Jonathan talks about building and growing that virtual bench. Um, and the idea is the methodology. So you want to really go out and constantly be recruiting for each person in position in your business before you need them. Because if you're looking for them uh, before when you need them, it's too late. So you want to go out and constantly interview once a week, I'd say at a bare minimal, for every position and maybe even your own position. That's how I found my replacement of the gentleman that ran my business. But the idea is we're creating this virtual labor pool or virtual bench um, and have the ability through an automation or even a manual process to be able to go in and sort down, hey, I want all my A applicants from the last 20 days or 30 days. And now you've got a glorified hiring checklist. So when you have that employee that comes in and uh, the guy or girl they're working with is a no call, no show. That's when you're probably gonna get blackmailed Cody for, Hey, I want a dollar an hour raise if I got to work by myself today. Um, <laughs> so it's going to guard you from uh, your internal team right now. So you are back in control, but more in um, perspective of this talk is growing fast without the right people. You need that virtual bench because when you slam the gas on uh, for that sales machine, you are going to need to add bodies in there. So you better have that pipeline of ready employees ready to go. And then um, before you go out and make that massive growth uh, play, we want to know our numbers. Are we pricing our jobs correctly? Uh, do we know what it costs us per hour to break even uh, before we make a profit? And what's the desired dollar per hour that we're supposed to do? And hopefully we have some production rates as well. Um, we don't want to be basing our numbers on the competitor down the street because that's going to be a recipe for failure. And um, cash is king. We want to make sure we have enough cash flow in our uh, reserve. So one of the other speakers at SA3, uh, and I believe it was SA6, was Mike Michalowicz, uh, Profit First and Pumpkin Plan. So what I really recommend is diving into Profit First and figure out what those cash flow allocations look like and being able to see the ebbs and flow of your cash flow before you go in and make a really strong play like this. Because if you go in and double or triple, or even like Simple Growth's case, growing by 400% a quarter, if you don't have that cash war chest and have a projection of what your cash outlay is going to be, uh, you can literally bankrupt your business overnight. So those are big things that we need to look at before we pump the gas on this exponential growth. Mm -hmm. So the cost of a bad hire to your team, Cody, traditionally um, is two to three times the person's salary. And I kind of looked at that and I said, well, that based on the stats before I did this talk, that seems ridiculously high. That can't be possible. Um, but it, the stats I've got here are actually kind of interesting. So turnover was a major problem um, in Callahan's lawn care, and that created um, some indirect costs there. And based on, obviously, you got the direct cost of help ads, screening, interview, training, bonuses. Those are obvious. But the indirect cost is that employee turnover and having to continue to retrain those employees. And then based on the inconsistency of the new employees and the training, um, while they're still getting acclimated, you've got lower customer satisfaction. And then we went in and looked at the damage caused by some of these wrong hires. They weren't a good fit. We kind of knew they weren't a good fit, but then we kind of let that go in the early years. Um, so we've got lower customer satisfaction. We got cancellations and then having the wrong people on the wrong seat to the bus. Uh, like you have the best weed whacker, the best mower, the best cleaner. Um, but if they're not a good fit for your business culturally and how you work, um, it's going to take your A players and probably drag them down to B. So you're going to have a loss in productivity and a loss in morale. So not only is it affecting 
the new folks you're bringing in, but can also negatively affect your core eight, eight players on the team because these things are starting to wear on them because the, the weight of that is really going to be held on their shoulders. So as we're looking at, I kind of said, you know, two to three times a person's salary from the stats all over on the internet and the different books I was reading. That seems kind of crazy. So I actually went in and did some research of some of the bad hires that we had at Callahan's. And we were anywhere from 25 to 30 employees, depending on the season, um, plus subcontractors. But Cody, any idea uh, if you're looking at a million and beyond business, um, the cost of a bad hire in the field, not management, what would that run? And I, I'm gonna, on the next slide here, I'm actually gonna show you what it cost us on average. I would bet from, because I do not remember this talk, so I'm not cheating. Uh, I would bet that the way that you are talking about it is going to lead to it costs you more than two to three times this person's salary. So if you're to throw a ballpark number out there, and I mean we're telling, and I I sorted through some of the horror stories, but I mean these were these were individuals that we should have either coached up or coached out, and we didn't, and, and things happen, and then we kind of figured out over a twelve or thirteenth month tenure how what this actually costs us. Um, so let's so taking into account like customer cancellation uh, or like customer satisfaction where like they don't like what you're doing week to week. Yep. So Callbacks, complaints, got to go back. Yeah. We didn't blow off the patio set, whatever that was. Um, yeah, all of that. I'm going to say uh, 100K. Pretty close. $125,000. So before we go out and scale that business, we need to make sure. Um, and I'm reading off some notes here, but we, we figured – it covered customer cancels, damage, um, production, projected production drops due to morale and motivation, kind of our budget versus actual. Mm -hmm. um, and then what we looked at is said, okay, well, based on that, uh, we need to figure out how to fix our labor costs. So we went in and created a piece rate pay system. Uh, so we paid the guys and girls on a budgeted uh, time and they got paid for the budgeted time. Um, not the straight time. Now, obviously, there's overtime rules and things you need to be applicable if you're watching this. Uh, but the goal for us was to actually get them more money than they would have even made with overtime. Uh, but what we were looking at is with that piece rate pay system, we were being able to generate per crew an extra twelve to $1,300 a week without changing a guy or girl on that crew and or a piece of equipment. But what that did is it started to change the way we looked at hiring and there was some very three distinct things that we came up with that actually helped. And I want to share those. Um, and they're really, they're three low cost, high return hiring strategies. So the interviews are screening for values alignment. So I've used the example before, but I'll use it again because it really works. So one of our core values is we'll do what we say we'll do uh, at Callahan's is one of the core values we had. Um, so on a interviewing screening call, the office could, one of the questions it asked is like, Hey, how do you feel if, Someone says they're going to call you back, but they never do. That's an alignment for our values. How are they aligning uh, with things that we're actually standing for? Now, if they're like, ah, whatever, it's not a big deal if they call me back or not, that's a red flag to us that that's not a cultural alignment. Then we had job descriptions that focused on the culture. So just like uh, we'll do what we say we'll do, we had another uh, one that was basically we give you the lifestyle you desire. It was actually twofold. Um, and when we built that, uh, over at Elite Momentum and Forum that we were looking at, we wanted to give our employees the lifestyle they desired. So if they wanted to be out by three o'clock to go see their kids baseball game or football game or ballet class, whatever that was, that was an alignment. We wanted to empower them to make as much money as possible, but with a quality constraint, get paid for maybe till five o'clock with that budgeted time. So now we were starting to drive the ability for them to almost run their own little business within ours. And I'm going to show you actually some job descriptions and some help ads that we did later in the talk that focus on some of this. But the idea here is these job descriptions focused on the culture that we had. And we also had it on the front end of the focus of culture. Of we wanted to give our customers the lifestyle they desired. So just like our internal employees, maybe our customer wanted to go to their kid's sports event um, and not have to worry about cutting the lawn on the weekends or cleaning the house or whatever that was. So it, it was twofold, it was internal and external. And then the final thing was standard selection processes. We talked about Jonathan in building that virtual bench. 
what we had built into an automated process that originally was um, non-automated, so it was manual. So if you're not automating things yet, this still applies, but we have a standardized selection process. And that process literally is going into an online application that makes them jump through some virtual hoops to make sure they're actually uh, ready to apply for the job. And we're trying to buy some time back as well. But once they get through that application, uh, part of the process is somebody in the office is gonna set up an interview date and time with them and plug that into a master uh, form. And then that automation is going to either email or text message them the week, week before and the day before the interview and give them some homework. Going down the, the DMV to get a driver's abstract. Now, if you've been to the DMV lately, Cody, but let me tell you, if you've been there, uh, if they got there and waited through that list and actually uh, got that driver's abstract by the time they got to the virtual interview or the in-person interview, we knew somebody um, was actually interested in that job. And then we standardized the questions. It wasn't always the same exact five questions that we'd ask. We'd ask more, but there was at least five that we every we asked every applicant. And they also focused on that culture and alignment and if they were a good fit. But the idea is we had a non-bias of at least five questions every applicant would get asked, and then we would rank them A, B, and C um, in that automation. Then we could pull up that virtual bench or that qualified labor pool. Uh, but right now, the labor market's tough. So these three uh, low cost, high return strategies are the ones we use to um, help tackle those indirect costs up front and hopefully alleviate the no-shows, the turnover, the cancels, and the effect of morale of our um, folks in the field or even in the office for that matter. So as we're looking hey, at- before, before you get into this next slide here, yep. um, the the hiring landscape is is really different right now than it was, you know, last season when people were trying to staff up because of the amount of layoffs that we've had, how do you think people should be going after like non-traditional applicants? Well, I, I still think right now uh, for what we're seeing is indeed right now is probably a hotspot. Um, mm -hmm. There's some other plays that right now uh, that, that we traditionally did. And I think Jonathan has done it as well. He's probably talked about it as Academy, but um Traditionally, we had a very uh, large Hispanic or Guatemalan workforce. So we would actually sometimes go out and recruit at some of the churches um, and talk to the pastor to see if we could somehow either donate some money to the church or somehow get into that ecosystem. A couple of our managers actually went to the church services. Um, but our, we knew our core group of Guatemalan employees uh, hung out at certain churches in certain areas on the weekends. So we went there to actually try to uh, recruit them. And then in addition, we had, uh, I would say, as far as our American workforce, it was two or three trailer parks that a lot of the guys and girls lived at. Uh, so we did some heavy, extensive, um, basically advertising to those trailer parks as well as doing a referral program. Uh, we'd always laugh like, hey, if somebody's car broke down or these guys couldn't get to work, we might as well just buy a bus and just send it over because it was literally, it was a central area between three or four trailer parks. So that was those were our key areas that we found our best employees were hanging out. Yeah. Um, does that make sense? I'd yeah. So what I'm thinking is uh, like, I know a ton of people who worked in the service industry, like restaurants, bars, who are out of work right now. Um, and I mean, as you know, from your days, uh, uh, DJing. Uh, <laughs> if, if you don't know about that, uh, Martha will send you a picture. I get in touch with Martha. Completely uh, frosted tips. But no, I mean, that, and actually when I was a nightclub DJ, um, depending on the individual, they were great. They were great folks because that it was the opposite work shift. Mm -hmm. uh, as long as they're responsible at night and weren't on all night vendors, they were, they were really great. And it was non-traditional, uh, but they were used to standing on their feet and going 24 seven and a lot of chaos around them. So they were, um, those were great folks, especially the bouncers and the bartenders. Mm -hmm. But I'm just trying to get strategies out of you for pursuing, you know, like back of house people at restaurants and, and even like waiters in the front of the house. Like you said, they're used to being on their feet, pushing all day. Uh, and, you know, the kitchen may be air conditioned, but it's not. Uh, right. Yep. Like uh, they're, they're used to that. So how the, do we the kitchen's a tough one. Um, I'm not sure how, but what I will tell you is business cards here always have Manya. Uh, mm -hmm. I won't mention the fast food joint, but there was one local one here that uh, there was two or three individuals working that fast food um, window kind of, and just like they weren't lawn care folks, but I will tell you, if you can grab somebody that can run a register to McDonald's or Wendy's or Tim Hortons or Dunkin' Donuts, 
those folks are handling a lot of different things at once and there's precision and there's detail. It's not your typical lawn care, home cleaning folk. But I tell you what, if you put me on that register at McDonald's with the, the multi drive through, I would fall apart in about 10 minutes. I don't know how they do it. it yeah. There is a skill set as well as um, some of the management uh, for those fast food organizations, you know, they're making 60, $70,000 a year, but a lot of times they don't like to be stuck in the hot uh, kitchens and in that environment. Um, but those individuals that if you could find somebody that runs and manages fast food joints uh, for, a, for a corporation, they are a really good fit for management style uh, of a service business, in my opinion, at least. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it's tough. I mean, you got to be ethical, but if you've got a card and you give it to them, I tell you what, nine times out of 10, I got a phone call back within a few days. Mm -hmm. So uh, good question, though. Any other questions there? No, no, no. Keep going. So as we're kind of looking into this now, we want to visually break down the employee recruiting, um, starting with the hire, train, and the core values. So just as a quick visual, we've got our Craigslist, Facebook, Indeed, uh, referrals from employees like I talked about. And something else we've, we've recently uh, been playing with is uh, Facebook Messenger bots to actually create another funnel through there, through Messenger. Um, but the idea here is we want to get them in and we want to interview and align to those core values. And then we're going to go in and hire and onboard and reinforce those core values. And then once they're in there, traditionally, especially my company in the beginning, uh, before we really invested in this, is we wanted to wow them and align with cultural values. And one of the ways we did that was reinforcing public service and different things we did. But a lot of times, once we get somebody in the bench and, and they're working for us, uh, we kind of forget to reinforce those core values. So those are things that are important to continue to reinforce and keep them engaged and believing in not just a paycheck, but what you guys actually stand for. So as you mentioned, Cody said, maybe we've got traditional or non-traditional employees now um, that we're going out to recruit. So how do we attract and sell your company to the right prospects, but not the wrong one? So uh, this was in the early days of Callahan's here, but we had uh, dug it up and snow removal professionals, the lifestyle you desire. So that is what we're standing for. Uh, we've created a company video here, and I'll break down what I included in this, but this is still very applicable uh, right now. Um, but the main thing is, what are we looking for? So we set the example of either whether you're a subcontractor or employee, um, there's two different ads we ran, but we, we, we dialed in what the day in the life looks like. And what are you gonna be doing? What you'll need to be successful, and if you want to stand out here and really excel, these are the things you're going to need. So we broke those down into what are we looking for, what you'll be doing, uh, what you'll need to be successful, and you'll stand out here if. So these things through an interview, when we start hitting on these major points, start to figure out if they're a cultural fit and if they can actually hack the work of being outside. Um, so in this video here or slide deck, depending on how you do it, we used to have a big 60, 70-inch TV in the office, and we would do a Google slide deck. Um, or PowerPoint, or we had a recorded version when we standardized it and delegated it. But the idea here is it went through every position in the company and the pay rates and the responsibility. So we showed them that as they came into the company, there was literally no glass ceiling. They could evolve from the, the bottom all the way up to the top to my, my position. Eventually I got replaced. So people could actually see the ballpark range of what my salary replacement would have looked like. Um, and then we dove into uh, some pictures here. So there's probably, I'm guessing, 12 or 15 vehicles here in the shot that we could fit with the guys in that morning. Um, near the end of it, we were around 19 or 20 trucks. Uh, but we had pictures of literally when we had two or three trucks, the five or six, seven or eight, and then the whole entire fleet. So we showed as the business grew, the, 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 everything kept growing. So we wanted to show that it wasn't just static. There was growth. There's a potential. Because a lot of times when people go work for a lawn care company, probably 95% of them, when they come in as a technician, they're really never going to go past that crew leader. We wanted individuals that want to grow their career. Uh, in addition to that, we had a uh, picture of a guy uh, with a hedgerow. It was actually my ex-brother-in-law, and uh, he, was head he was trimming a hedgerow. And this thing must have been about a quarter mile long. It was 90 degrees out, and he looked like he was going to die. Uh, but we showed him the realities of the work. And there was a few other pictures of a guy pushing a uh, basically a salt spreader and he had been out in a rain ice storm for 12 hours and he was just soaked. He looked like a wet dog. Um, but we built them up. We wanted to make sure the line, but we also kind of wanted to scare out the applicants that, Hey, this, this is out in the sun. You're going to get a sunburn. Like it's hot. You may be carrying equipment for 10, 11 hours. You may be out in a snowstorm for 10 or 11 hours with some break state mandated. So we wanted to give them a taste of the reality. Um, mm -hmm. and then we touched on some things about cultural alignment. So we had a culture of giving back. So 
This is a really sweet couple. If you're uh, on YouTube, you probably can still find it. But um, this is a video where my manager followed me into this house and their, I think their daughter or their niece submitted them in because every year before Veterans Day, we would raffle off free snow plowing to a veteran. Um, mm -hmm. These guys had won and I, I forget it was, I'm assuming it was probably World War II, but they were in their mid to late 90s. Really, really sweet couple. So we surprised them and gave them a, a certificate for free plowing. Um, and they invited us in the house and, and let us uh, share the video. But the idea is we wanted to reinforce the cultural alignment of what we stood for and ask the, the new employee or the potential employee, how do they feel about this? Um, we want to give back and, and give that lifestyle people desire internally as our employees and externally outside. So um, these are the types of things that we did. And then uh, obviously we're constantly recruiting with that automated system. So I'm not going to get the, into the total details of the idea of the process, but we've got an English and Spanish landing page. And those are the job descriptions that fit culture. When we do the interviewing process, we got interviews that screen for values alignment, and then that selection process is standardized with those five questions. And that's what it kind of looks like in an automated flow, uh, English and now basically street Spanish is what we've been doing. So the final thing is before we go in for this market or this blueprint to really go out and exponentially grow your business is you want to look at um, creating prospects in leads and service autopilot. So service autopilot at this point um, in 2020 does not have the ability to automate employees. But what we've done is taken um, clients or leads basically, and we've added some, some structure to it. And now you can sort down on job applicants. And uh, this is something we built in, in Callahan's and now we've repurposed at Simple Growth. But the idea here is now I can go in and filter down to those A, B, and C job applicants with a date range or a time mm -hmm. filter. So we've created basically Jonathan Potoshnik's virtual bench all inside Service Autopilot. And foundationally, these are all the things that, in my opinion, you need to have your ducks in a row before we go out and dive into this lifecycle marketing to dominate your market. So. Uh, probably most people tuned in to figure out how to dominate your market, but I thought it was really ethically a, a thing I had to get into before we do it is you need that foundation because if you go in and do all the things I'm going to show you here, uh, the wheels are going to fall off if you don't have those foundations, um, especially the cash flow, knowing your numbers and having the right people on the bench. So yeah. lifecycle marketing is um, basically a way that we attacked our marketing. And really what it is, is we're going to talk to the, the lead or the client where they're at in the life cycle. And what I'm going to suggest is most businesses have four or five areas where they're literally physically taking the money um, in their business and dropping it in the trash can. And you can kind of see some of these little red cans here along the way. So on a real high level, I'm going to connect life cycle marketing and then show you the different pieces that we use to go out and dominate my market um, throughout the years. So right now we should be probably going out through Facebook AdWords, uh, nine arounds. That's when you drop a pin on a house that new lead comes in and we market the nine surrounding homes, potentially banner ads, every door direct mailing and now updated, um, conversational marketing. We've talked about Cody is Facebook messenger bots that can automatically estimate uh, pricing based off of the square footage at Zillow. So we've got the ideas. We're driving them into our website here. And if they're not ready to con convert, we should have something called a lead magnet. I'm going to break down what a lead magnet is, but it's going to be a simple ask for first name, last name, and email that gets them inside service autopilot. Because if you're spending all this money on Facebook and AdWords and nine rounds, you're driving traffic to that website. Um, but if you're not capturing them, if they're not committing to an estimate, you're throwing all that marketing money away. So we're going to have a, a lead magnet so we can continue to nurture them. And when they're ready to buy, hopefully we're top of frame of mind. In addition, we really should have a Facebook pixel on the back pay, back end of your landing page or your website to go out and retarget them, uh, through a custom audience. Um, these are things that can be set up very quickly and easily and there's pennies on the dollar. But if you're not tracking a lead magnet and that Facebook pack pixel and retargeting that custom audience of people that have hit that website, uh, that's one hole. Mm -hmm. Now in your sales funnel, we really should have a short-term education and some kind of automated estimate follow-up. So this is very similar to what we do in 20 days to close. So we're educating them how to do the service themselves and whatever service they're interested in. But in that process, we're overcoming any sales or price objections. So we're shortening that sales cycle and we're making the business owner the experts. We're creating a higher perceived value. So you can charge a higher price. Uh, most service businesses, including my own in the early days, didn't have 
the time or ability to follow up on an estimate. So we've used service autopilot automations to follow up um, in that 20 days to close process. So if we lose that estimate, the next hole that you're potentially going to see is loss estimates. Do you have a way to bundle them up per service, nurture them, and then about a month to a month and a half before that particular season starts? So if we're going into the fall and all our estimates for, say, fall time aeration and overseeding, uh, do we have a way to go out and reactivate them and upsell that service? So instead of taking all that marketing money and literally taking all the lost estimates and phys physically or you know somewhat physically taking them and throwing them in the trash, now we're creating a database that we can nurture and upsell. Um, if the sale is one, do we have a way if it's a one-time sale, so very similar like a cleaning company, if somebody signs up for a one-time cleaning but doesn't buy the reoccurring weekly or bi-weekly cleaning or in lawn care, if they sign up for a one-time spring cleanup in the beginning of the year, but they haven't bought a reoccurring fertilizing or mowing, we should have some place in effect to make sure the automation or manual process triggers five days after that service. If they haven't scheduled the reoccurring service to upsell it. Otherwise you've got another huge hole in your sales funnel here. And then when we've got that reoccurring sale right out the gate, uh, a gateway service. We're going to talk about gateway services here in a minute. Uh, do we have a way to upsell another reoccurring service? So something that we've seen uh, real success in the Service Autopilot Academy ecosystem without giving away any of the tips or tricks is a lot of the Academy elite members and regular Academy members are taking the teachings of Academy and saying, how can we take a stop of, say, fertilization and maybe be licensed for perimeter pest um, and mosquitoes. So now that we're not, now that we're going there with the same truck and very minimal extra equipment expense, we're not only fertilizing, but we're doing perimeter pests and we're doing mosquitoes for an extra 10 minutes. They've tripled um, or doubled the bottom line uh, margin on that. So we're going out and creating a process there. And then we want to go out and cross sell and upgrade with seasonal timing and then be able to cancel any reactivate any loss estimates cancels again. Uh, based on the seasonality. So those are the kind of core areas that you want to look at before we dive into the, to the actual uh, takeaways of this talk. But the next thing we're looking at is I talked about a lead magnet, Cody, and uh, a lead magnet is just literally something of value. So this was right off the Callahan's website, uh, Six Reasons to Hire a Professional Video Series. And we utilize the back end of a service autopilot form, and it would automatically enter them in the service autopilot, and then we'd start nurturing them. Uh, so lead magnet ideas, video series, white paper, or how-to guides with pictures. So um, this is actually a uh, screenshot here of when we had the pleasure of flying down to Dallas uh, a year or two ago to meet with all of the Service Autopilot Academy elite. So if people are watching this and wondering about Academy, um, from the things I've seen, it is worth every penny. Uh, it is great. And they bring in professionals in like Jason Cup, uh, Jim Houston. They brought the Simple Growth team in. Uh, but we had the pleasure of hanging out with Academy Elite two days. And part of that time we taught and uh, did automations with them. But one of the things we provided them as an elite member as your four big essentials for lawn care. And this was a lead magnet with all the content that we wrote for them. Um, and a lot of Academy members are still using this, Cody, and actually have a really good success for that. Um, up to that point, Cody, any questions? This is all good stuff. Is there somewhere if, if people want a, a copy of that flowchart, um, is that somewhere that they can get it or can we like come back and put it in the comments later? Yeah, we can put it in the comments. I can, uh, I can put it right on uh, the messenger bot, right on the simple growth Facebook page and okay. um, you know, give me about 24 hours and we'll, we'll put that back on the notes and we'll just have, they, they can type in slides or whatever that is and uh, it'll automatically give them a PDF download right there. Awesome. Yeah, I think that that would be a really helpful thing to like print out and have near your desk, especially as you're thinking about your marketing plan, just being able to identify which of those trash cans you're letting people fall into. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, happy to do that. So if you were at SA5 and you heard Jonathan's talk, he talked about anchoring your business with two to three core recurring services. So I'm going to break this down kind of industry specific. So lawn care, what I'm going to recommend as a core recurring service is your lawn care. So far, as far as lawn mowing, fertilization are your two core uh, gateway services. So those are things that you can go in right now and measure through Smart Maps or Maps Pro, depending on version two or version three, and, and automatically calculate a price and budget time and sell over the phone. Now, home cleaning, uh, 
is pretty interesting. So you can actually pull the square footage off of Zillow pretty quickly in the office and ask some qualifying questions of number of people, pets, different things for that, um, you know, kind of that dirt code, how dirty is the house? Um, but the idea is we want to be able to sell um, two, maybe three recurring services right over the phone and close them right there because speed is the name of the game. So when we anchor those two to three recurring services, we want to use digital marketing to cast that broad net. Um, and we're going to use such things as custom audiences in Facebook, uh, list of prospects and service autopilot and import those into Facebook for other custom audience. And then Facebook ads targeting your ideal geographic neighborhoods or demographics. So we're just going to plug basically a geofence over your service area or your mm -hmm. ideal service area. And we're going to go out and cast that digital net. And we're going to have that Facebook pixel hopefully on that website so we can retarget those people as they look at it. But the idea is the digital net is going to cast around your whole entire service area. Um, but now we're getting customers popping up over here, over here, over there, Cody. And name of the game is route density. So we don't want to be driving all over. So what we're going to do then is use offline marketing to zero in for route density. And the way we're going to do this is use Maps Pro to create a list. I'm going to show you how to do property-specific pricing. A couple things that we did um, at Callahan's, it actually, we had a list of over 10,000 homes being currently mowed by commercial prop our competitors. So I'm going to break that down for you, how you can do that in your market before it's too late for the fall. Um, and then we also use the Send Gym integration for cards, gifts, and ringless voicemail bombs. So we're going to cast that digital net out through Facebook and maybe pay-per-click. And then we're going to use offline marketing to focus in on the areas we're already at. Or if you're looking at the map, the big gaps between your dense areas so we can minimize that non-billable drive time. So mm -hmm. we're going to dive in now, Cody, to show you how we use Service Autopilot to actually um, handle these obje objectives here. Hey, so, I want to point out one thing real quick about yep. your Facebook retargeting. You have the pixel set up on your website. Anyone who comes through, no matter what source they're coming from, so if they're coming from an AdWords click, they're coming from their neighbor told them about uh, your company, you know, whatever that source is, if they have a Facebook account, they're getting put into your custom audience to then get followed around on Facebook by you. So that retargeting audience is so important because it helps. Uh, you spend a little bit more, but it makes all of your uh, campaigns more successful. Okay, yeah, no, good good input too. And I mean, I'm, I'm actually, I, I wasn't planning on it, but a um, couple of screenshots I have are maybe are, well, I know a couple of them are a little outdated just with the Facebook pixel because um, it's constantly moving, but uh, I will give everybody an idea of where to find that stuff as well. And you may have some input as that, Cody. Uh, but the online marketing, that Facebook pixel. So uh, use the knowledge um, you gather about them to build a stronger relationship. So target, target those users that have been to a certain page of your website if you want. So maybe somebody was looking at snow removal or lawn care or pest control. Go out and you can basically dial into certain pages or all the pages on your website. Track how many visitors converted after seeing a particular ad on Facebook. And then the stats, most new sales take about 43 days to convert into a customer. Uh, at Callahan's, when I ran, I ran the metrics before this talk, it was about 64 days. So we need to continually be out with those retargeting ads to stay in front of them and the short-term or the long-term nurture, depending where they're at in that customer lifecycle. Uh, and on average, they will click at least five call to action. So CTAs before buying. So it could be that lead magnet. It could be um, the Google review link. It could be the customer testimonials you have on your website. Um, so you want to make sure you got enough beef in there that they can go through and click on different things. Um, we want to continue to provide that free valuable content uh, to let those cold leads know who we are and hopefully warm them up so they, they're ready to buy. Mm -hmm. And we definitely want to go out through education and not a sales pitch because we want to get them to know, like, and trust us. And those are going to convert into better customers. So as you go in here, the Facebook ads uh, pixel now, like I said, some of this stuff has been moved around, but this at least give you a base idea of kind of the things you need if you don't have it. Um, so right now we're going to go up and set the pixel here. Um, and we're going to select our campaign objective. So most people are driving brand awareness um, or messenger right now. Uh, but obviously you want to talk to a Facebook ads expert before you do this, but I wanted to give you some overview of kind of what this looks like behind the scenes if you've never gone into uh, the ads manager. So okay. next thing is we want to go in and name the campaign, make it something with a standardized naming convention so you can go back historically and see what it is. 
and it makes sense. Um, and then we want to go in and grab that pixel and it could be from any URL on your website or it contains this. So people have visited the specific web pages in the last 30 days. I believe, what is it, 180 days uh, that can be retargeted now? Uh, yeah, it depends on what kind of retargeting you're setting up. Uh, there's some things that'll go 365. Okay, so obviously we wanna set that um, retargeting as well. Yeah. And then we wanna downsell our gateway services. So we're gonna sell those core services like the lawn mowing, the fertilizing, or the cleaning over the phone. So we're going to use the utilize maps pro to measure the property or get the uh, custom fields off Zillow for the home square footage for cleaning. We're going to create custom fields and store them in there. So turf square footage or home square footage goes in there. And then we have price matrices that automatically calculate a price, a budgeted time and a cost before profit in the pre-templated service autopilot estimates. So these pre-built estimate templates are going to create speed and accuracy and allow people to downsell. So we're not going to try to sell everything in our, 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 our service mail offering. We're just going to get them on the one or two services. We can get them over the phone quickly. And then we're going to go back out there and say 20 to 30 days and upsell additional reoccurring services. So the idea is lock them up on the phone for speed and accuracy. So now that we've gone in and cast that digital net, um, and sold over the phone, we really want to go in offline and build route density. So in the leads feature in version two of service autopilot, we're able to go in and dial into a map here. And what I've done is you can see here, these tabs here, these yellow ones, um, I can go in and click on each house in a neighborhood or the nine surrounding houses. And what it does is it creates a lead list here for you. So what we did is we made marketing lists of all the homes around um, our existing clients. And then we brought college kids in in the, in the winter to actually go in and create property specific pricing based on our matrices. And then we did direct mail campaigns offline to those homes. Um, and that was one of the plays. The additional play was we actually went out and um, took like a notebook and it, you know, ethically, I think this is okay. I didn't make some of my competitors really happy when we did it, uh, but we drove around every single neighborhood that we, uh, we service coding and we created a list and it was like one, two, three main street. We put the name of the street in the notebook and then just listed the house numbers underneath it. And this, we ended up creating a database of about 10,000 homes and we could tell they're being mowed uh, at least in the Northeast by the lines in the lawn in the front. When we drove up, you could tell this lawn was probably commercially mowed here especially when you're looking at it directly. So any long that looked like it was commercially mowed, we added it to list. And then we had uh, some college kids come in in the winter, measure them and create a database. And then what we did, um, I'll show you a picture of it in a little bit, is we mailed all of those out with property specific pricing. And on the envelope, uh, the, we went to a mail house that did it. And it said lawn mowing customer with the address. Um, and the first time we did that, we had a very significant um, adoption rate. Now the effectiveness went down, but the first year uh, we probably picked up over 200 lawn mowing accounts alone, but we had the lawn mowing, the fertilizing and the aeration and overseeing all there, three options and then bundle and save. Um, but that's, this is one way of using service autopilot. Um, and then if uh, you're using a product like send Jim, a radius bomb would literally just drop here and it would grab the closest nine addresses and could potentially automatically send postcards one, three or five times is what I'd recommend. Uh, but probably three or five is what you want. But the idea is you can do this manually or you can automate it through Send Gym. And then we wanna streamline our pricing with that pricing matrix I told you about. So this is a big commercial property where we actually went out and dropped these pins uh, to measure the, the gross lot. And then we'd go in around the building and parking lot and suck that out with the plus and minus features of Service Autopilot's Maps Pro or Smart Maps now in V3. But these are, uh, the things that we'd want to do. And we, we do that for the nine the online nine arounds or that database as well. Um, so everything went out with property specific pricing and it allowed us to sell even quicker. So offline marketing, um, 3,000 or 300,000 plus direct mail pieces uh, in one spring. This is a picture of uh, what we did here, but in the, the bags go way beyond here. Uh, but that's me in the background, everything stacked here and all these bags uh, are, are a portion of the direct EDM and direct mail piece that we did. So we had EDDM, every direct door mailing, and then we had property specific mailing um, in there as well uh, with 
services. And the key to this really is if you're going to drop a thirty to forty thousand dollars spend, or even three or four thousand, uh, you don't want to just take it out and push, say, three hundred thousand flyers out to three thousand, three hundred thousand homes. You would want to go out three to nine times and have each house get three to five different uh, mailings because it's that frequency. They need to see it three to five times before it resonates. So uh, if you're looking at a massive ad spend, you want to consolidate that down and take whatever that spend is and can, and hit those folks. So uh, the page, we did a full page insert in the community newspaper that went out nine different times. So it was three different ad copies and they alternated one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. It was interesting. By the third time it went around, they're like, oh, we recognize you. But the first one, they had no idea. They just threw it in the trash, but it, it started to build. So those are some of the keys to success there. Um, and once you did this, we wanted to create this pre-built estimate template with the pricing matrix I'm talking about. So in the lawn mowing example, the square footage here for 11,000 square feet, fictitiously calculated a price of 55 bucks, 0.48 hours to do it on site in a cost of $17.72 before profit. And then we had the ability to break down my market in either postal codes or towns. So we put the number one in here, it calculated an extra $8.09 for mobilization, that non-billable time. Now, if you're working with an expert like Jason Cup, uh, he may give you a number, your break even per man hour may cover that non-billable drive time on average in your over budget. But what you're gonna find is you may not wanna charge extra because it's already included in your hourly um, revenue or billing rate. But what the biggest disconnect is folks don't put a budgeted time for the certain areas that they're going. So if you're going to that piece rate pay system or you're putting a, a big you know, board on the wall of what's your, your um, basically your, your percentage of production. So 100%, are you hitting 100% or better for production? Uh, there was actually, there's a post on the Facebook group yesterday of like, hey, what's your ideal uh, production? Most people are like 70, 80%. Um, I think most people thought I was nuts. And I said, well, 100% if you're covering the budgeted um, average non-billable drive time. And that needs to be there because you're setting an unreal ex expectation. Your team, if you've got the right team, wants to hit 100% every day. And it's demoralizing when they're, they're hovering around 80%. So in my opinion is we want to be at 100%. And if you've worked with an industry consultant um, doing finances like Jason Cup, you may not be charging extra for that because that's included in your hourly rate. But in my opinion, you should at least be including the budgeted hours for the drive time in this i've got 0.48 on site and i got 0.16 drive times so that's in the mobile or the printed version here in the closeout day screen you're going to have 0.64 man hours for on-site and average drive time that's going to give you um the numbers for 100 percent efficiency each day and you can hold those teams accountable and it's, it's an apples apples comparison if you've done your right your work right based on the zones or postal codes Mike, to make sure that, that I understand here, how is the team tracking that in the field? Uh, the team is literally grabbing their mobile app, hopefully, if not on card, like printed out copy, and you're clocking in and clocking out. And what I'm going to recommend is you clock into the drive time, in and out, gotcha. and the job, because there is a job cost effect and there's a drive time cost effect. If you have your employees set up correctly under the uh, edit payroll job costing tab on the employee, there should be an hourly wage and an hourly wage regular and overtime with labor burden. That's going to include your FICA unemployment, holiday pay, and a few other ones. I've got some videos out there on it, but those are data in, data out, or no data in, no data out, or very bad data, very bad data out. So you want to make sure you've got the right numbers in the right places. But great, great question, Cody, because you're clocking in and out. And now we've got this non-emotional reporting machine um, for the right players on the bench, hopefully, that are going to be motivated with quality to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, in addition, if you're doing a large amount of um, jobs and selling the way we were, we're pumping out 1,100 to 1,200 estimates a month, uh, we need to automate the business owner. We need to automate the salesperson. So you can embed inside Service Autopilot uh, videos right on the line item of the service. So shrub pruning here, we talked about what was included, what wasn't included, and we overcame any sales or price objections through an educational video. In the bottom of the estimate, we had an additional um, nine videos, and I actually, I think I got it here on the next slide, uh, of our core services, not our, necessarily our gateway services, but our core services that we offered. Mm -hmm. uh, so we are allowed people 24-7 to understand what they included and what they didn't and how, how to do that. And in, in the SA estimates, we can also include some buttons to automatically call or text if they're on their mobile while viewing the, web, uh, the estimate or check out the website. So these are 
uh, really important. I know that it's awkward making videos, but I mean, first draft is better than no draft. Uh, Jonathan uh, of SA there in the Long Camellia used to always, always uh, laugh that he had one for his company, City Turf, that he never swapped out. He has now recently. Um, but the original video for City Turf and the original video I had at Callahan's was um, definitely a, a first draft of not being used to being in front of the camera. Um, but it was quirky enough that the consumer related to you as a person mm -hmm. and that you actually stood behind it. It wasn't like a fast pitch sales on a commercial. So um, yeah. you don't want perfection in those videos from what I've seen. So as we kind of bring it to the end here, um, still up there, uh, estimate template with video. So if you go on the service autopilot marketplace, uh, upper hand corner, the little avatar, you go to marketplace. Um, search for estimate template with videos. I've got a pre-built free template in there um, that you can download right into Service Autopilot and it's got instructions how to get those videos from YouTube and all the things we did. It demystifies the whole thing for you, Cody. So that's just a free give for everybody. Hop up to the SA Marketplace and download your own version of the estimate template with videos, how to do that. Um, and it breaks down the other buttons too. So it's just a turnkey thing that we wanted to give for value here. Yeah. Um, next thing we looked at is a ringless voicemail bomb. So the Send Gym integration. Uh, obviously is additional cost, but the, one of the things I really liked outside of the nine around is something that we use in 20 days to close a lot. So, um, at certain points, we recommend a physical phone call to someone you dropped off an estimate to if they haven't signed up yet. Well, if you don't have the time or you just don't want to make a phone call, ringless voicemail bombs can be automatically be triggered and it hits the cell phone without ringing, but it looks like a missed call. And it would Mike instance be like, Hey, it's Mike from Callahan. So sorry, I missed you calling about the estimate we dropped off three days ago. Lo and behold, it's exactly three days because the automation knows that. Um, but the idea is like, hey, we wanted to leave you a message to see if you have any questions regarding the estimate. If you do, give us a call back at this number or feel free to sign up on the online estimate that we gave you. But we're creating a personal but automated um, voicemail that's not a robocall. So huge, huge deal there. And most people for a lawn care home cleaning company have no idea this is automated. They're just jazzed. You actually picked up the phone and answered the call or called them back. So this is uh, definitely huge. And then as we're looking at it, this is kind of the overflow of our automation and how we handle these different things. But when they hit the website or the office, we drop that lead letter, the five or six main thing, reasons why we're different. And before the estimate, we do that short-term education. So we're nurturing, we're educating, we're not selling. Once the estimate's done, we're, we're focusing on conversion, that 20 days to close automated estimate follow-up will be automated text, email, and phone call, or ringless voicemail bomb. Once the estimate is won, we've got an automated process I call welcome and wow, but we're going to nurture and get that credit card on file automatically through a PCI compliant uh, form through Clarent, which works really well, tokenized, it's great. Um, and then when we've lost the estimate, we've, they've canceled the service or they need renewal or reminder um, and the upsell, we've buttoned in and created a streamlined automated process to make sure what should happen happens when it should happen. Because traditionally when we have to do those things, we're all too busy to remember to do them. So now utilizing uh, service autopilot automations, we're able to handle the nurture, the conversion, the nurture for the loss estimates canceled, and then we upsell them and reactivate them uh, through that process at the end. And bringing it home, uh, last part of nurture is like, we're going to provide that free valuable information that people want and need. Uh, if you had been to, I believe it was SA5 with Marcus Sheridan, uh, he talked about how people buy now and how if you're not providing the information live on your website um, and in video and social media, they're going to continue looking to the next uh, competitor that does. So this is something that um, when I had the pleasure of speaking before Marcus, uh, he gave a couple of kudos after I got off the stage because we had been doing this for probably six or seven years, very similar to Garrett Matthews in the SA ecosystem as well. Um, but these things work. So if you're not creating free valuable information through either written text or video, you really need to start doing it because uh, we need to nurture them. And then we're gonna create that higher perceived value and make you the local expert um, yeah. outside of your competitors. So short-term nurture in there was just basically to educate on the specific service they're interested in and have an automated but personal conversation around it. Then we want to address those sales or price objections. So do I need to be home to have the service done? Uh, if I'm a home cleaning company, what kind of insurance should I be looking for? If it's a lawn care or landscape company, are they going to close the fence gate behind them when they leave? So the homeowner is worried about the kids and the dog running out of the backyard. These are objections that people are like, I'm not sure if I'm really going to hire this out because I don't, I'm not comfortable. Are they going to do the things that I'm concerned about? We want to address them up front before they ask them, and then they feel comfortable with us. And then our conversion, 20 days to close. 
So whether you're building your own automated estimate follow-up or you're using a, a product like 20 Days to Close with Simple Growth, there's some key things that I'm going to recommend you put in here. Scarcity. Spots are filling up fast. We don't overbook our schedule. Um, so now they're like, okay, well, they're concerned about quality. They're not going to over, overbook. We better act quick. We have a deadline. So within 20 days, so the 20-day contact at the end of 20 days to close literally says, do we have permission to close out your account and close out the estimate? So the consumer's thinking like, well, wait a minute. If I don't accept this estimate, I may have to go through this whole estimate process again because it's only good for 20 days. And a CTA, a call to action, call or text back now to save your spot. And that's where those little links in the estimate or the email may be applicable and making it easy. Just let them click that CTA. And those multiple communications channels, Cody, are really important. That uh, mail, hard mail, phone calls or ringless voicemail bombs, text and email. And we can automate a lot of this, but yes, some of the mailing um, should be sent to a mail house or your internal team because a lot of people aren't doing the EDM or direct mailing. So if you're in the mailbox by yourself in the spring season, there's a good chance they're going to notice and look at it out of pure curiosity. And then the final part here is we want to follow up and upsell more profitable work. So automating the follow-up systems through repetitive tasks. So the daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, and quarterly things you should be doing, uh, we're going to automate through a process I like to call repetitive tasks. So inspections on site after 30 days. So basically what we did at Callahan's is we had an automation. So at 30 days when they bought one of those gateway services, lawn mowing, fertilizing, we would go out with an SA form right inside the, the um the phone there and they would fill it out. But basically what we were doing is we were, yes, checking the quality, but we were capturing through an on-site estimate form, the square footage of the bed, the number of small, medium, and large shrubs, all the services that we could provide at that home. We collected the data in custom fields. And in that form, now the automations could trigger and pull that data out. We could upsell throughout 12 months of the season based on the information we got. So we're going to sell the service over the phone so we don't have to do an on-site estimate. And then 30 days later, we're going to do a QC with collect uh, custom fields to go out and never have to go back out to that house ever again to do an upsell. So seasonal upsell examples based on the time of the season, weed control, grub control, aeration and overseeding, deep cleaning for the home cleaning industry before the holidays. Yeah, you may be getting a weekly or bi-weekly clean, um, but a deep clean is literally going to go through and take care of the baseboards, the shades, everything else in the house. Uh, and in addition to that, we can upsell some additional services and home cleaning as far as uh, stove cleaning, refrigeration cleaning. Those things are going to need to probably be done for the holidays. You don't want your, your relatives and your guests to see what a mess the, the, uh, the fridge has become in the last 12 months. So um, we're going to take those one time to reoccurring service and increase that client lifetime value. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how we're going to tackle it. So the last thing I got here for you, Cody, is stay consistent by automating repetitive tasks and so make sure what should happen gets done. Um, so this was the final piece of automating my journey in my business uh, to become an absentee owner. But I realized with 25, 30 employees, I got sucked back in as a full-time daycare. Um, and I had to tell everybody what to do every day, every week, every month, and so on, or it never happened. So what we've learned specifically inside Service Autopilot is there's seven core areas of business we can automate. And they are sales, customer service, scheduling, billing, office management, maintenance, and yes, owner. So the owner should be holding themselves accountable for things like taxes. Maybe they have to do quarterly tax returns, whatever that is, hold yourself accountable. Um, and what we've done for a real brief example, um, as a last point here is if you had a salesperson, say his name's Dave, Dave's job is to do all his estimates and make his follow-up phone calls. Um, if we're doing manual phone calls for follow-ups, if Dave doesn't do his job, I'd say five or five fifteen, the automation would either text mail message him or email him say, hey, Dave, you didn't do your job. This is what should have been done. And then based on the severity of that, the way you would set the automation up, the automation would either email or text message the manager or the owner letting us know Dave didn't do his job. But the whole idea is service autopilot and the automation tells people what to do every day, every week, every month, every quarter, mm -hmm. and annually. And if it doesn't happen, it pulls the appropriate person in to handle it. And it alerts the person responsible that they should have done it and they need to get it done. Um, so I know that was a lot all at once. Um, but foundationally, we want to work on that labor pool and that labor bench and, and make sure we don't have those three pitfalls of cash flow, knowing our numbers and the right people. And then we can go on through online marketing, cast that digital net, and then offline marketing to build route density. We really want to focus on selling those core gateway services that we can sell over the phone and then go back 20, you know, 20 to 30 days later on site, collect all the information 
and upsell those reoccurring services. Just like the example of going out for the fertilizing and then going to upsell the pest control with the mosquito control. So you're there an extra 10 minutes, but you've tripled your revenue. So that's all I got for you, Cody. I know it was a crazy essay weekly here um, on this I'm lovely Friday is- afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> all good info. Absolutely. Any questions before we wrap it up? I know you got to go. Um, I appreciate you hanging out with me here for the last hour or so. Oh, no, no problem. Uh, Mike, I think that was all good stuff. I'm excited for people to let us know how they implemented it. Uh, by way of reminder, Mike is going to have it set up. If they send uh, the Simple Growth page a message, they'll be able to get uh, that flowchart from you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So if you go in, it's uh, simplegrowthsystems.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us like an hour or two. I'll have my automations team hop behind it. Um, actually, brand new look to the website too. I'll uh, actually pull it up in the stream so you can actually see what I'm talking about. Um, so we've got uh, the new look of the uh, website here. Uh, finally, we're the shoemaker's kid, but now you can see it here. This chat bot pops up. Uh, if you go, you can either continue as yourself in Facebook or a guest. So that's another huge thing right now with that online digital marketing. Um, the Facebook bots that we've been building here uh, will now act as a chat bot or chat uh, help feature or automated quoting. But the cool thing is now it doesn't matter if they're a Facebook messenger or Facebook uh, person, you can go in as a guest and you click that. Once that pops up uh, where it says, ask a question here, um, just put um, essay weekly slides and somebody on my team will will fire off you a PDF and we'll obviously automate that in the next hour or two. I didn't think about providing that, but that was a, that's a good, that's a good move, Cody, for sure. You should print it out and put it next to your desk is what I'm saying. I think that it will be super helpful for you to uh, keep in mind as you're working on your marketing plans, especially going into fall upsells. What is the hold that I'm letting people fall out of? So if we're going to give homework on here, uh, your homework is to go find those holes. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it once again. SA Weekly Talk Show, uh, coming to, come back at live every week. 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Central. Uh, Cody, I will let you take it away because uh, you did me a favor of uh, actually running the helms today and uh, I'm just running the technology. So that's, that's beautiful. So, All right, guys. Well, we will see you uh, next week. We should have an exciting guest. All right. See you next week. 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 Central. SA Weekly Talk Show. Mike Callahan, Cody Owens. We'll see you next week. If you like this show, you might want to check out our resources at www.startsimplegrowth.com. While you're there, enter to win an Estimator chatbot. Mike Callahan is available for private coaching.